fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 237 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. I will be joined very soon by a very special guest who will be very familiar to all of you, I'm sure. Uh, but before that, I do want to make a quick announcement, the, the teased big announcement right, right off the top, uh, and that is that uh, the show will be published. We have reached an agreement with the Believe Podcast Network to be the new publisher of Falcoholic Live and Dirty Birds and Brews, which is very exciting. Uh, we're going to have uh, a lot more resources, and they will be handling the advertising, which, of course, I'm very happy and excited about. Uh, but that has just uh, officially started this week, so you'll you'll see more of that stuff uh, coming real soon. But I uh, just wanted to get that going right off the top before we bring in our guest this evening to start us off. He is Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson, currently at ESPN, formerly of the Falcoholic. Eric, how we doing? I'm doing oh, think, well, man. Uh, we're getting good. closer. Good. I thought you were muted for a second, we're, but please go ahead. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. We're yeah. we're uh, but we're getting closer, man. I'm doing well. We're about what two weeks away? Fifteen days exactly. Yeah, it's it's getting crunchy, man. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah, let's let's get into it. And tonight, I figured we'd start off because you know the Falcons just they can't let us rest. There, there's always moves happening oh. this offseason. <laughs> Got to do something always. You know how they are. Yep. So we're. We're uh, gonna start off, of course, with some Jeff Okuda talk because that is the biggest move of the uh, this this week. Certainly, I mean, not to not to take anything away from Kaderil Hodge, the god, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll talk about Okuda first, and then we'll, we'll give Hodge a little bit of shine before we get into the live mock draft, which I know everyone's super excited about. Uh, surprising move, the compensation, not a lot, and the news tonight that. Jeff, uh, the Lions will be paying one and a half million of his salary. That's in addition to the prorated bonus that they're already picking up. So the Falcons are getting a CUDA for under four million this year. Uh, feels feels like a slam dunk to me. What do you think, Eric? I, you know what? It's 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 a definite roll of the dice. That's for sure because you're getting a guy that's coming up on the final year of his rookie deal, facing a fifth year option in May. Um, that's worth close to twelve million, I believe, if not over 12 million um you know but you're getting a guy that's a former third overall pick and he's only 24 years old so you're not just getting some guy you're getting a really good talent right here um and i think what makes it even more underrated was the fact that a it only cost them a fifth round pick the fifth round pick that they got from jacksonville for ridley um but you're bringing him in and letting him have a change of scenery and letting him learn from one of the best secondary coaches, if not the best, in Jerry Gray. And I think that makes the move even more. It gives the the, the move uh, even more um, hype and prestige, I guess, because of the fact that, you know, you got you got a guy in Jerry Gray that can really mold this guy that can really teach him. Jerry Gray was was the reason why Jair Alexander is who he is. And um, after doing research the other day, of course, you know, Xavier Rose, his best seasons in Minnesota so happened to come when Jerry Gray was on the sidelines as secondary coach in Minnesota as well. So, you know, this is the guy that I think can try to get the best out of Jeffrey Okuda. And if they do, 
this is a potential top 10 cornerback tandem, in my opinion. I mean, that's that, that's an elite tandem, and not many elite tandems are walking around this league. Yeah, I mean, that it's really intriguing. Um, it's definitely a buy low signing, like, like trade. I mean, a fifth round pick, and it was like a later fifth round pick, too. So, not really giving anything significant in terms of compensation and the Lions eating. I mean, the big thing for the Akuda acquisition was going to be the salary, which of course the Falcons could afford, but the fact that they were able to get the Lions to take on even more of the salary, I mean, they were going to have to take on half of his cap hit because it was prorated bonus money and there's no way to get out of that. But um, taking on one and a half additional... (laughs) of his salary to bring his cap hit under 4 million for the Falcons. I mean, it's just like a no brainer move for Atlanta. Um, and it, it's really kind of shocking that like he, he had a bounce back season for Detroit. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't like number three overall pick good, but it was like serviceable to solid, you know, and some better than that games last year. Um, he played it in a career high in games. He played in 15 games last year. And yeah. end up having a career high in tackles with 76, uh, six pass uh, deflections as well. And he had a couple of interceptions. He had a key pick six in, a, in an important game against uh, Chicago um, in the latter half of the season. Um, so this was, you know, he was starting. It, injuries was the one thing for him. I think he was yeah. limited to only 10 games the first two years, right? So he wasn't able to even really be on the field. And – I think because of that over time, the confidence waned and that can, I mean, that can do a lot to any player if you don't have confidence in yourself, no matter the scheme, no matter the team. Um, and I, I think a change of scenery is, is kind of sort of what he needed. Um, so yeah. this is, yeah. this, this could, this, this is a move right here. It, potentially it could really elevate the defense in my opinion, because of because of who he is and what he can bring to the table. And again, he's only 24. Yeah. Uh, younger than Richie Grant by a year and a half, a year. <laughs> Not yeah. that I'm dogging out my man Richie, UCF legend Richie Grant. But at least for a season, the Falcons can say that they got the top two corners in the 2020 draft. They did. I mean, it's crazy you go back and you read your scouting reports like I did one on him. I know I know you did one as well. You even look at like NFL.com's like Lance Zerline's report and it's just gushing about his play because his tape at Ohio State was that good. I mean, this was a top five amazing. player. Um, just blue chip level talent. And like even he has dealt with a lot of injuries. He lost the entire 20, 2021 season to injury. And, like, in 2022, he wasn't this, like, amazing player either. But coming back from an ACL tear is really hard for a corner. I mean, it, that's a position where your athleticism is just so vital. Uh, and learning to trust, you know, that knee again is, is – it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, he was fine last year. I mean, it wasn't like he was great or bad. It was just sort of decent. Um, so it really yeah. puzzles me that why the Lions were so eager to – move on i mean it it's sort of baffling um and like also why more teams weren't interested because i feel like this is just such a bargain for atlanta i mean they don't there's not really any risk at this point could could you say last year was his initial rookie season yeah i mean honestly it seems like 
in some ways that it might have been, and it wasn't even bad. I mean, it was not great, but I, I just don't know why. I mean, obviously he was making ten million, I think, as a top as the number three overall pick in Detroit this year, and it seems like this was a financial decision. I mean, they signed Emmanuel Mosley, they signed Cam Sutton. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it seems like they're gearing up to take either Christian Gonzalez or Devon Witherspoon at six at this point, it seems to be that's what the lions beat is, is reporting is this was spurred on because they really like those corners. They want one of those guys, which doesn't surprise me, yeah. but it's giving up on a number three pick who's still on his rookie contract. They wouldn't have even had to pick up his fifth year option. It, it yeah. it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it it's is. A it's a little yeah. puzzling, but I mean, most teams don't do that. And again, after year three, with him only having 25 games under his career, I mean, under his belt in his career. I mean, that's still, I mean, that's, that's really not a whole lot to gauge a corner. But yep. this can be a blessing in disguise for the Falcons, man. I mean, this can be a change of scenery and and a new coach and a new, new you know, new guidance for him can do wonders. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think they this is this is definitely something that can pay off for the Falcons long term. Yeah, I think so. And like like we were saying, just not not a big risk. Like I mean, you have to pay him. It's like less than four million dollars. It's not even like you're taking on a big salary cap dump. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you could. I think you are. I mean, like uh, John U. Smith is getting more money. <laughs> so it's like yeah, um, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so we're. Definitely, uh, I'm excited about it. I think he's got a good shot to. He's got a fresh start, and sometimes that's what it takes for these guys. Just getting yeah. into a different building, feeling the the faith of a new coaching staff behind you. Um, yep. And look, like if he does ball out, like the Falcons aren't going to pick up his fifth year option. I'm pretty certain of that. Um, it just limits it limits a lot of stuff, and they're already going to be giving AJ Terrell a massive extension next year. So they're almost certainly not going to give him that fifth year option, but if he has a good, but not great season, they could still try to re-sign him um, to an extension. If he has a great season, you probably let him walk and then you recoup a third round comp pick for, you know, because this is the type of guy, if he has a great season as a number three overall pick, I mean, somebody's going to back up the, the Brinks truck. So somebody desperate is going to come in with a big deal for him. So, um, yeah then you probably are getting plus value on the trade by getting a comp pick back for him on a one year rental yeah. where if he has a great season, you got a great season out of a, out of a player for a fifth round pick and a few million dollars. And you maybe get that pick back yeah. or a better pick back, uh, and yeah. then like a, a couple drafts later. So I really don't see the downside to it. I think it makes a ton of sense. And, um, yeah. yeah. And, you, and on, on the field, you know, you're bringing a guy, he's coming in, he doesn't have to have CB one responsibilities anymore. Um, you know, he can he can now coming to certain games where he's primarily covering the second best receiver or the third best receiver. So he doesn't have that burden anymore. Not to mention he's playing with in, you know, uh, a Pro Bowl corn, a Pro Bowl safety behind him. A guy that's played in, in a ton of postseason uh, games the last few seasons and Jesse Bates. So he's never really had that type of talent around him in Detroit. You got to keep in mind he came from literally an NFL defense at Ohio state goes to Detroit. They lose a lot. There's not a ton of talent around him until probably year three. And then, you know, they move on from him, but he's never had a AJ Terrell opposite him. He's never had a Jesse Bates behind him 
patrolling overhead just in case things mess up and you know jesse bass is there to clean things up he's never had that so again those type of things mixed together can do wonders for playing and i've i guess i've heard that he's always wanted to play for the falcons i guess or he's always had interest in playing for the falcons at least coming out of ohio state he did so if that's true then that's another momentum swing there like i mean that's <laughs> there you that go. Can definitely give him some some energy there for sure as well yeah yeah i mean uh definitely happy to have anyone that wants to play for the falcons uh to say the least so um it really seems like a great move and you know we talked about it with with the mike the mike hughes signing as well that like if the secondary as a whole is that bad everyone's gonna look bad like if there's if it's that bad that it's the one of the worst secondaries in football collectively nobody on that is gonna look good i guess the falcons are banking on that these were the good pieces that were just being brought down by everything else um yeah so I mean, I don't know if it's going to schematically be different here. We don't really know what Ryan Nielsen's going to do. It it may be similar, you know, Aaron Glenn and other Saints disciples. So, I mean, it could be similar scheme, but maybe the Falcons just think whatever they're going to do, they're going to be able to put him in better situations. And look, they're going to have Jesse Bates behind him. And maybe, maybe that makes all the difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to give this, I got to give this regime the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that, because they took a guy in Cordero Patterson who was not used properly or essentially enough around the league they only stuck him on special teams for most of his career after he left minnesota and then look what he's done for the team the past couple years they saw a guy that they said hey you know what we bring him into our system we can put him in certain places where we know he can thrive and it can pay dividends so i gotta i gotta give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that they've done well in that category so far yeah absolutely they have so i'm excited to see this group and um, we'll definitely, you know, talk about it during the live mock draft about sort of how this impacts their draft strategy. Uh, but we'll, yes. we'll save that. Yeah. We won't do the show before the show, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's give you know uh, Kadero Hodge his shine here. Uh, he he resigned special teams ace, honestly solid depth receiver. Like I never really had a problem with any of his reps as an actual receiver. I thought he sort of always was at least competent. Um, what do you think about? That move, I mean, it's not a huge needle mover, but uh, definitely bolsters the special teams unit and gives them some more veteran depth at wide receiver. I don't know about you, Kevin, but this might be one of the best special team units in the league. Yeah. If you look at the bottom half of the receiving core, bringing in Matt Collins, bringing in Scotty Miller, and then re-signing Kadero Hodge, all three of those guys have plenty of special teams experience. This, this, bringing back Hodge, Man, this is this is this could be a really good unit. Not to mention, you know, the little bit of time that he had on the field last year was was okay, honestly. Yes. In spurts, yeah. you know, you go back to that Tampa game. He had a key catch in the second half in that game. He had a key touchdown in that game, I believe. Um, you go back to the second matchup against the Panthers. Um, he had a touchdown late to kind of draw them near in that particular game as well. You go back to the Rams game. Um, he had a he had a key catch in the second half and that one that kind of sort of uh, spearheaded the comeback a little bit. You know, Kadero Hodges, you know, he's he's a, he's one of those players on the team. You're just you're bringing him in and, you know, he's he's stuck around for a reason. Um, yeah. I, I, I think bringing him back was a tremendous boost to what was already looking like to be a pretty good special teams unit. 
Yeah, I mean, it, not a high volume pass catcher, but last year played in all seventeen games. Uh, had thirteen catches, two hundred two yards, which was a career high. Very nice, fifteen and a half yards per reception. That's very respectable. Uh, and a, a touchdown to go with that. Uh, so I mean, honestly, like he's not a needle mover, but as your fifth receiver, if he has to play, he's perfectly fine. Like he he's capable of running the routes you need him to run. He's perfectly capable of making the catch, getting you know open to some degree. Not a guy that's gonna like terrify defenses, but like you need those guys like on the back end of your roster because you never know when they're gonna have to come in. So. Uh, very nice signing, basically free against the cap because of the top 51 rule. And, um, you know, it. they've really, like, this is so different from the last couple of years because they've, like, basically filled up the roster with veterans at this point. Like, there's only, what, 12 open spots left total for the draft and undrafted free agents. Now, they'll, they'll probably, like, make some cuts here and there if they get some UDFAs that they like. But, I mean, it, it's... Last year and the year before it was like, I mean, I think in 2021, they brought in like 20 UDFAs to camp, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, um, it's very different, right. this approach. So this whole off season is different, Kevin. This is, this is a breath. It feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels good to know that your team is a little aggressive. Your team has some money and your the roster looks completely different than it was two, two months ago. Like it just, yeah. it feels good. They're, they're turning of- in the right direction. I'm yeah, a lot of positive energy around this offseason, and um, I'm, I'm excited, certainly. It's definitely been more fun to cover this style of offseason as opposed to Absolutely. the last couple. Um, we got Jason Gaines with the $2. What's up, Jason? Thanks so much, man. He says, like to salute Corey Peters on a solid NFL career. Absolutely. Big respect to Corey Peters. Really underrated Falcon. Uh, he says, Dimitrov should not have replaced him by overpaying Tyson Jackson. Uh, however, he doesn't want to slander Paul Solia because he was decent. Yeah, Solia was decent. Um, uh, that's Peter, another move yeah, I, yeah. I commonly forget about from Thomas Dimitrov yeah. overpaying for Tyson Jackson they wanted to get tougher Eric you know oh. <laughs> we gotta get tough we gotta get those big nasties up front uh, you can't just add beef you have to actually add good players too so. uh, <laughs> right yeah. right uh, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jason points out Corey Peters only interception in his entire career came in 2011 against Cam Newton, which ended up sealing a Falcons win. So, uh, Pete, Corey, uh, congratulations on your retirement. Uh, super underrated Falcon. Uh, hope, hope it, you wish you all the best in that retirement. Uh, Falcon shouldn't have let him go. You know, it's pretty obvious. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dimitrov had a bad habit of doing that, uh, letting the guys that they should have kept walk and then bringing in way overpaid other free agents. But he did. He surely did. Surely did. Um, all right, Eric, ready to, uh, to transition to some some live mocking here? Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. The first live mock draft, folks. For the Falcons, we are going to dive right in. Going to be using... The Draft Network's Mock Draft Machine, which is publicly available now. Uh, I believe it's free to use. If you want to make trades, you do have to pay, but you have access to all seven rounds, unlike a certain other uh, draft simulator that has gotten a lot of crap recently, and and rightfully so, in in my opinion. Um, So let's transition to the view here so you guys can see what we're working with. 
I've had it go ahead and run the first picks, and I will read them off for our podcast listeners and for Eric, who can't see them. Uh, so the first seven picks of our first live mock draft simulation, uh, fairly chalky. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it has taken into account that the lions traded for, or traded Akuta yet, but, um, I still think that they could do what they did in this scenario. So there's only one surprise pick in the first seven, but honestly, there probably will be a surprising pick in the top seven, like that we're not expecting. So that probably makes it a little bit more uh, realistic here. So makes it realistic by making it not realistic, if that makes any sense, because it never goes exactly the way you think. I mean, remember the Cleveland Farrell pick? That was maybe the most shocking pick that I can remember, but it was not in anybody's mock draft. I guarantee you that. So, <laughs> all right. So. First seven picks. We got the Carolina Panthers at one, taking quarterback Bryce Young. That has started to gain some steam lately. Uh, At two, the Texans take quarterback C.J. Stroud. Also fairly chalky there. Uh, At three, uh, I don't believe the AI will trade with itself in this mock, so the Cardinals stay at three. I think it's fairly likely that they do trade down at some point. Uh, But they take Will Anderson at three. Also chalk. Colts take Anthony Richardson at four. Also chalk. The first surprise comes at five where we see the Seahawks take Miles Murphy, which would be, I think it would be pretty surprising, but there are apparently, there was buzz that the Seahawks really like Miles Murphy because he's just like a Seahawks guy. They just love those athletes. Um, so that one would be, a, would qualify as a surprise. I think um, the Lions take Jalen Carter at six. That one would not surprise me um, that much, even after the Akuda trade, just because if he falls there. I think everyone should consider him. Uh, and then the Raiders take Will Levis at seven. So we have four quarterbacks go, two edge rushers and Jalen Carter. Um, so we'll go up to the best available players here. Uh, so Tyree Wilson at edge is st- is available. He's not always there. So that is one. Both of the top corners, Christian Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon. Obviously, Bijan is still there as well as all of the offensive linemen. So I'm curious, uh, Eric, where you sort, where your mind goes in this scenario where we see four quarterbacks go. We do see two edges, but it's not the two that most people expect, and that ends up leaving Tyree Wilson on the board, and then we've got our other special guest coming in too. But uh, I'll you think about that for a second while, while I intro our, our other special guest, and we'll, we'll get his take on this too. Hey, Will, what's up, man? Yes, so we are just starting the mock now. So I will I will bring you up to speed on the first seven picks of this simulation. Uh, so Bryce Young went number one, C.J. Stroud two, Will Anderson three, Anthony Richardson four. So pretty chalk with the first four. Uh, then we had the Seahawks go Miles Murphy at five, which is qualifies as a surprise. Uh, and then the Lions go Jalen Carter at six. And the Raiders go Will Levis at seven. So players left on the board, Tyree Wilson, both the top corners and Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon, Bijan, and all the offensive linemen. So that's just where we are now. Um, so I I, uh, I, was, I was about to, to tag in Eric. So if you want to digest that for a moment, we'll let Eric get the first take in here. But so appreciate it. at this point of the offseason, Will, how comfortable are you with at least with the defensive side of the ball at this point after the Okuda trade? 
Um, definitely much more comfortable than I was like two months ago, right? But you know, I, I still I still look at the pass rush and I still wonder who is that guy when you know everything else is failing that is still getting his. Um right. I don't know if they have that yet. I I don't mm-hmm. know if like Tyree Wilson can become that guy. I mm-hmm. I don't know on the Falcons timetable or if like if he matches that with the kind of the development factor they but there is no defensive end or edge guy in this class outside of Will Anderson um cuz Miles Murphy needs kind of like I think some time to at least tap into all that athletic potential that he has so that answer may not be there so I may not be able to answer that question the way that I would right. like to because the resources are not out there so to gotcha. answer it I'm much more comfortable than I was. I think that they are at the floor is very high now for this defense, um, much higher than it was. Not the highest mm-hmm. in the league, but their ceiling is also considerably higher. You know, I, I, I'll let you then go now and get your thoughts on this. I, you know, I'm with you. I don't think there's that, you know, that ace of a pass rusher right now. Yeah, I think right. you know, internally within the building, they're hoping that Ebiketti takes that step. They're hoping that Malone takes a considerable step as well. You know, they brought back Lorenzo Carter for depth purposes. Um, but I don't, I, I know I'm comfortable saying that they, they're not comfortable yet with the edge class or with the edge grouping that they have now. Um, but I don't, they may like a prospect like Tyree Wilson. Absolutely. They may mm-hmm. like, yeah. but they may also feel comfortable enough with the momentum that they built this offseason on that side of the ball to say, hey, you know what? I may feel more comfortable bringing in a veteran face to be that ace, a Yannick or maybe a Leonard Floyd at this point. I think they they may look at this and just say, hey, we've built this defense up to this point with veteran faces so far. We may just want to keep that momentum going on that side of the ball. That just doesn't do anything for me, though, Eric. Like, if, if you're going <laughs> to. I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it. But but it also, but I, 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 I do agree with you at this point that everything is on the table at eight for them right yes. here, especially in this particular mark right now. So. Why does that? Why does that not do much for you when it comes to bringing in that veteran presence? Well, I I just don't. You can only have too many, or like you can only have so many you know, number two sidekicks, right? And that's not to slight anybody on the roster currently, but Clay's Campbell, who has been a number one at times in his career, is mm-hmm. not that right now anymore. Right. Lorenzo right. Carter, I thought played well last season, and I think there's a chance that with less usage and more of a defined role that they're able to stick to and not ask him to kind of do a little bit more like he did last year. If it is purely, Hey, like we want to put you in a position to win. Yeah. I think he can take a a little bit of an uptick certainly in maybe the sack department. And we all know that it's more than just the sacks, but since that's what everybody looks at, he could have a better year this year. No doubt. I just don't know any of those options that you named a Leonard Floyd or, you know, a, a, a Yannick Ngakwe, like, Right now, those guys don't walk off the bus and immediately offensive coordinators are sweating and nervous. Opposing quarterbacks mm-hmm. are sweating and nervous. Maybe you get an Arnold Evicati to make that jump. You know, maybe you get a, a D'Angelo Malone to make that jump. Maybe the interior combination of a Taquan Graham and a Grady Jarrett, like you can cobble that together. But for too long, this team is 
not have that bona fide number one look at this monster coming off the edge or up the middle or wherever. And and I'm just I think a lot of people are kind of like, okay, yeah, but like how many more of these uh, guys who have either been in other places and it hasn't panned out, but maybe it'll pan out here or yeah, they're six, seven, eight sacks a season, but we hope that there's that flash of like 15. Yeah. I would just rather find that guy, but I bring it all back. There wasn't that guy in free agency and in the draft is Tyree Wilson, that guy, maybe, right. maybe he becomes that guy, but, but I don't know off the jump. Like it's really just Will Anderson. For me, this is not the right. edge class like last year, at least at the top right. of the first round. So right. what about corner, Kevin? Like what, where yeah. do we weigh if we're still talking that's, defense? That's I mean, well, yeah. How, how comfortable do we feel with taking a Christian Gonzalez? And I know they signed Mike Hughes um, and they, and they gave him that, or they're going to give him that slot responsibility, but how comfortable do we feel with having Christian Gonzalez in that particular aspect or even having Witherspoon there? Right. And I don't like, think they're giving anybody anything. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I think they would love to, yeah. yeah. Go and Kevin. like with with Akuda, it's like I I love the move. I don't think they're gonna change anything going into the draft. I think they have their ranking set, and if Christian Gonzalez is still their top guy, they will take him. Um, because Jeff Akuda is probably here for one season. Because if he's bad, they're not right. resigning him. If he's great, right. they're gonna let him walk for a big comp pick. So if he's like just okay or or like good then you maybe you do give him an extension, but they're also going to give a big extension to AJ Terrell. So are you going to be extending two corners to like big money next season? I really don't think so. I mean, they have the money to potentially do that if they really wanted to, but um, you know, I, I think it's less likely. So you're and like Casey Hayward could be a cap casualty. If they take a corner high, he will almost certainly be a cap casualty. And that does free up five and a half, what five million, five and a half million dollars for you. Um, they're starting to get a little bit lower on cap space. It's not that bad, obviously, but they they could mm-hmm. decide to go that route. But um, th- I think they're less likely to take a corner now with the Akuda thing, and and I don't think the TDN simulator has been updated to reflect that trade yet in terms of the the team <laughs> needs. Um, t- so to be totally clear, now I don't think I like I still think the Lions would could consider taking Jalen Carter. Like I mean, I don't think that's uh, outlandish at all. Still, but. I do think it's much more likely that they take a corner now. Um, and, you know, I think I think the Seahawks are taking Jalen Carter, if we're being completely honest. But I do like that this— I could this, see them going Tyree Wilson. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, so I, yeah. Like, I do like well, that yeah. the simulator introduced a little anarchy here with Miles Murphy going in the top five. Because um, that's honestly yeah, that's something weird, weird is going to happen. We don't know what it is yet. Good luck predicting it, but something weird is going to happen. So this definitely introduces a little anarchy to the equation. But— um, yeah. What's Do we it? have any packages? Any trade packages? Uh, there it? may be some offers. We could look at that. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that. though, Kevin. Just to, to cut in while you look at that real quick, mm-hmm. like I, the more I do think about the Akuda trade and the points that you just laid out, and that fifth year option is fascinating to me, man. Because especially what they did with Kayla McGarry and the fact that they're they want to make the guys earn it. Look, we're not giving you anything. We're not giving you the money just because you're a former first round pick who has been okay, you know, during his, you got to prove it. You got to be here long-term part of a championship or not. Mm-hmm. Jeff Okuda has not proven that. Yes. He's got the, the high draft profile and I loved him coming out of college, but I don't think the Falcons, it, it's like one of two things for me, but Kevin, you introduced a third thought. 
either they know that like we're comfortable with what he is. We think he was in a horrible situation that this dude is going to be the player that people thought coming out of the draft. We already mm-hmm. know we're going to lock him up to that fifth year option because we think that having a cost controlled player of his caliber for the next two seasons is awesome. And then we'll figure it out uh, in that time. Or, you know, they do the Caleb McGarry route and they say, you're going to come down here. You're going to be very cheap for us and mm-hmm. perhaps a starting cornerback but we're going to make you earn it. Of course, the risk there is that he then hits free agency after maybe a great season and everybody else starts to see what you maybe saw a little ahead of the game this offseason. And then you get into a bidding war. But the the third option, Kevin, is what if he is just that cheap one-year rental? What if they're like, look, Jeff Okuda is is better than than the market value right now for these yeah. free agent veteran cornerbacks. We're giving up a fifth-round pick. Like, what does that matter? Yeah. And yeah. You, you get a guy in here who now competes with Casey Award. He helps your depth at the very least. Like, can you move him around? The upside is there, but you capitalize on that upside for one year and you kind of punt on this position. Not necessarily punting because they've addressed it in a big way, but but you push it one year down the road and it allows you then with this draft pick maybe to not go the corner route yeah, and to yeah. look at some other options or trade back. So yeah. I think it's all on the table, which is exactly what they want. They want yes, us to exactly. be going crazy. In this scenario, <laughs> they do have a lot of really good options. And like to be clear, like I, d- I think corner is definitely less likely. But in a scenario like this where Gonzalez is still there, like he is a guy the that... are great, man. Yeah. Good. Yeah, this is a great scenario for the Falcons. And we don't have any trade back offers. And I think that's going to be the case if the quarterbacks are gone. I think the Falcons' ticket to a trade down is, is the quarterbacks. So if, if Will Levis or Anthony Richardson who or who else is there... That's their ticket to a trade down. If those guys are gone, probably not going to happen. <laughs> if, if they're, okay, there's no trade back option. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, and I know you know viewers are are probably thinking that I'm. I already know what you're going to say. Morning yeah. in on Bijan here. Yeah. Well, look, quickly, let me ask Will about that. How do you how do you feel about the whole Bijan thing, and and even him in eight, here at eight or a possible trade back scenario when it comes to? I think it's fun. I think it's a lot of fun. And I, yeah. I no, I, I, I think that look, if if they make the move, like I will be the first person trying to figure out, all right, like what is the best case scenario for this? And it's not gonna be hard because we've seen what Arthur Smith can do with this type of talent. Now, he is not the same player as a Derrick Henry. And it may be like Derek's Derrick Henry's talent is so one of one ish that it's even hard to kind of talk about like somebody coming up but like he would immediately become one of the more talented running backs in the nfl just kind of the complete package that he presents and imagining him in an arthur smith offense that would utilize him to the effect that like running backs aren't utilized nowadays in the nfl and and deserve to be utilized when you're of this caliber it wouldn't be hard for me to wrap my head around it and again these moves that they're making are addressing a lot of these needs that they don't like to talk about when it comes to the draft but that we all talk about because it just makes sense from a roster building perspective and it's kind of getting hard to to pinpoint the clear critical need which is why i come back to that 1a pass rusher but if he's not there then what are we talking about just go get the best player go get an electric person who's gonna impact the side of the ball that they haven't really spent a lot of time with on this offseason and and i think that would make a lot of sense to me so yeah. Would I, I pull that trigger? I don't know, but it's fun. <laughs> I I do think that the one player that would make them not take Bijan is Tyree Wilson. Um I I think that they would be looking to get Calais Campbell's heir apparent to be getting that Cam Jordan player that Ryan Nielsen has used so effectively 
throughout his career in New Orleans. You would bring in Tyree Wilson. He wouldn't have to be the guy from day one. You would you would create probably the best run defending edge duo in the NFL, right? Because Clay's Campbell's already arguably the best run defending edge rusher in the NFL. Tyree Wilson's really good at it. He's not the same as Campbell in that he's not necessarily a direct take on blocks guy, but he is so lethal from the backside of plays. People, if you've never watched Tyree Wilson's film, this man stands up. Like over half the over half of his pass rushing reps, this man stands up on the edge at like six, six and a half, two seventy, and rushes standing up. And he and he does a great job. So like, I mean, this man is is completely one of one. Like he is a lethal pursuit player oh. from the backside, and his tackle radius is so absurd with those 35-inch arms. Um, and and I, you're probably looking to develop him long-term into this great pass rusher. I don't think right away he's going to have a ton of NFL success as a pass rusher, but still, like, he's probably a three- to five-sack guy his rookie season, which is not nothing. Here's... I love the Bijan thing, of course. <laughs> yes. But I'm not... <laughs> I'm not even going to harp on that. Here's what I'm thinking, honestly, at this point. I think, and this is something that we pretty much expected the Falcons to put themselves in this offseason. They're putting themselves in a position where they can go a variety of ways, at least early on. Um, Some fans may not like it, but the idea of taking a Christian Gonzalez here and having that unique setup where you have A.J., Akuda and Gonzalez pretty much on the field at the same time with Gonzalez getting your slot snaps is intriguing. And Nielsen coming from the Saints defense, oftentimes they ran more of a three safety look. That slot guy may have been your Malcolm Jenkins or may have been your Tyron Matthew. Um, you can add a wrinkle to that by having a Christian Gonzalez level type talent there instead, instead of a third safety. Not only that, the way that Will presented it, you you still and and Kevin, you you touched on it as well. That cushion is there in the event that you just use Okuda for one year. That cushion is there. He's gone. You say, okay, you know what? He's gone. Kristen, you're CB two now. That's your slot. I I'm a little more intrigued now in that aspect because everyone knows this is a passing league, even though the Falcons run more of a run-oriented offense. It's a passing league, and you can never have – just as much as you can never have too many good pass rushers, you can never have too many good corners. There's no such thing. They're going to have to play. Like, that's what people don't understand. It's like Christian Gonzalez comes in. He's not probably starting day one. and and, But I think that's not necessarily a bad thing for Gonzalez either because of Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., he is the one that probably needs the most seasoning. He's also the guy at the highest upside, so maybe the best thing for him. And, like, Sauce Gardner was an outlier. Patrick Sertan, an outlier. Most rookie corners do struggle. That doesn't mean they're bad, but they're not these elite lockdown players in year one. So maybe the best thing for I, I, Gonzalez is getting him in there and giving him a year to develop before you throw him out into the starting lineup. And, it, and it's somewhat, to me, it somewhat comes down to, at this point, you know, which prospect do you like the best? And, and I'll be honest, I like Gonzalez a lot more as a prospect than I do Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson definitely has plenty of potential. But, I, I mean, I, 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 I see a lot of Patrick Sertan in, in Christian Gonzalez when I look at him on tape. I, I got to be honest here, guys. 
I'm thinking about pulling the trigger on Gonzalez here. So your vote is Gonzalez. I, I think so. It may it may seem a little unorthodox to a lot of fans, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, you have look at just think about that potential tandem, that potential trio on the field at corner against opposing offenses on a given Sunday. Yeah. That's 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 pretty intriguing, man. I, I just I don't where yeah, where are I you mean, meaning, Will? Yeah, Will, what are you, what are your thoughts? Because we do have to make a pick in... at some point. Yeah, we do have to make a pick know, at some I know. point. I'm yeah. like, I, I think that we're we're already way past this pick. We're on pick I think 14. I think we had 10 minutes or 15 um, minutes. Yeah, so we were probably past. Yeah. But uh, all right, then I'll, I'll keep it brief. I, I think that the, there are a lot of great options here for the Falcons. I think the Falcons are in a really solid position. I know that this is not how the draft is guaranteed to fall, but regardless, like I think we're gonna be seeing a lot of these same names on the board yeah. still when the Falcons pick. Yeah. And I have to imagine these, that's the fun part of this exercise. These are the conversations they're having in the yeah, building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, well, what's the value of that corner? What does it allow us to do? Th- this whole Akuta thing happening now, again, I can't tell if it's something that they've been planning, that they wanted to make this move, that it was just due diligence, and they happened to find out that he could be had for this type of, and they said, all right, well, let's factor this in. I think Kevin still made a very compelling point with the Tyree Wilson about that kind of future Cam Jordan, the Calais Campbell. We want to talk about that one-year rental. I mean, I, like Calais Campbell is here to to kind of help out in the building for for the next for the foreseeable future, but that mm-hmm. is a short-term future. And, Maybe two years at most. Yeah. Right, and so I think that having somebody who needs that development, who needs that projection, but somebody proven to play that style of game and who is very well respected in this league, you pair him with Tyree Wilson, you know, you have to expect that something could blossom there in a similar way where you hope that getting a Christian Gonzalez in to work with a Jesse Bates and an AJ Terrell and a Casey Hayward while he's here helps out as well. The Akuta move gives them that type of high upside corner that they'd be getting young anyway. I think they can figure out what they have there. I said they needed that 1A pass rusher. I'm not sure that Tyree Wilson is going to ever be that like 16 a year, just like for eight years there during the prime of his career. Yeah. But he can be that Cam Jordan role. And and I think that that is, is valuable. So let's go with Tyree Wilson if he's here on the board. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think I agree with, with the gist of what both you guys are saying, which is that you can't, really go wrong here unless you make some kind of crazy off the wall pick. I mean, I think Eric made excellent points for Christian Gonzalez. We sort of covered that, that their Akuta move shouldn't have them move off of Gonzalez. If he's their best player on the board right now, because that is probably a one year rental at this point, it could change uh, depending on what happens, but having the flexibility to let Akuta walk for a potentially a mm-hmm. third round comp pick. If he plays well, teams are going to come with a deal for him even if it's a one or two year thing i mean it's going to be 10 million plus the falcons could easily get a big comp pick out of that um so the gonzalez thing is very compelling but i ultimately i and it's it's sort of a a heart versus head thing my my heart says Bijan, right like i that's just so fun um but i if we're picking with our head and maybe we should do one heart one head you know mock draft but um that's nice yeah, I, I think that I think Tyree Wilson, if he's on the board, is the pick. I, I that's the one player I think he's a Falcon if he makes it to eight because of 
how clearly he fits into that Cam Jordan Calais Campbell role and how clear the path is for him to contribute as a rookie where he can be this early down dominant run defender. And like, we'll talk about this throughout the rest of the show. They've made a concerted effort to make the run defense at every single level really good. Every single player they've brought in, yep. I mean, the run game in general, every single player they've brought in is a good run defender. Mike Hughes, Jesse Bates. They don't want to dedicate resources yeah. to it. They want yeah. to dedicate resources to stopping the pass and have guys yes. that are really good at stopping the run. Yeah. You got Eddie Goldman back to man the middle. Anyamata is a great run defender. Grady Jarrett's a great run defender. Clayus Campbell's the best run defending edge by some metrics in the NFL. You get Tyree Wilson in there at the other edge spot. I mean, nobody's running on this team. Uh, if they stay healthy, they're just, they're, it's going to be really hard and that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for them later. So that, that is where I lean, but Eric, I think you made a very compelling argument for Christian Gonzalez and I wouldn't be at all upset if that's the direction they go, but I we would, do. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't either for the record. De- yeah. Devin yeah. Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, like both of them build a great secondary. I love it. Yeah. It's just, as we're looking at this team and specifically 2023, what do you mm-hmm. want to add to it? I'd like to have yeah. that, that 1A pass rusher. And for the record, I want let, I want viewers to understand. Like I'm I'm not leaning in one obvious direction. I love Bijan. I will not. I I will will I will be smiling for days if Bijan was to pick. But I'm also you know I'm on the board for Tyree Wilson. I understand the, the position there. I understand a guy like Christian Gonzalez. This team needs talent from top to bottom. You know they haven't had it the last two years, and they've made it work. They they've mm-hmm. got 14 wins with what they've had. And, and, you know, I, I'm all for just getting elite talent on the board. So if Tyree Wilson is the pick here, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go with Tyree Wilson there. But again, uh, I think this is a good glimpse into the types of conversations, like Will said, that that there's that these are the types of conversations they're going to be having uh, in the war room on draft day. It's, like, it's, so- it's a lot more than what viewers say, oh, that guy's there? Yeah, let's get him. Like, no, they're really <laughs> dissecting yeah. this thing. Yeah, they're, there's going to be... And like they're not all going to be on the same page. Like, no, no, no yeah. That, um, it's going to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, would be amazing. that would be oh fun. God. Yeah, that would be oh, fun. Absolutely. So maybe someday I'll get to from, sneak in. You there. Look at yeah. it from the from the the Panthers' perspective when they made that trade and how you know the news was coming out that there was literally three different picks as far as who right. they want to go with at one. That's how most war rooms are, and yeah. they really dive into this thing on on draft day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so. I left it up. I let the simulator run while we were discussing the last bits of that pick. So you guys can see uh, who was taken there. Uh, and we're going to have to keep moving. So if, you, if you're if you watching after it's recorded, you can just go back and pause and see everyone. I'm not going to read off all the like 30 picks that were just taken. But um, <laughs> I will read off uh, some of the top players left on the board. And th- it's interesting. And like this is the thing I want people to understand. There, you're going to see, and right away you'll see Brian Brzee. Right. Uh, Probably not likely people would say that's crazy. He won't be there at 44. Some people are going to be there at 44 that you don't think are going to be there. I guarantee it. It happens every single year. It happens. So um, don't, you know, we just, we don't know who it's going to be that falls, but people will fall. Um, Like there's some guys on here. I would be shocked if they fall. Right. So Brzee is one. Um, I think uh, but Dalton also, King, the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Also, for the sake of, of the mock, you can kind of sort of dismiss it like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's not take him for the sake of the mock and saying, oh, Brissy fell, like, in yeah. all likelihood. 
Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. we're not getting an A plus grade right. on this. Yeah, right. yeah. Just, we're not yeah. gonna try Andy to Richardson's game it. Still there, like yeah, no, no, we're like and like another one like. Like Deontay yeah. Banks um, is still here, and I I don't think there's any chance he falls to 44. I mean that would be like a sprint to the podium. Pick. Honestly, I would not be surprised if we see seven, maybe eight corners go in yeah. the first round. Like yeah. that's one position I'm putting my money on to make a, a legit run in the yeah. first round. Yeah. So Same. let me read off some of the top guys that are here for you guys. Uh, Brian Brzee, like I said, we're probably not going to consider him right just because I, I don't think it's likely that he falls. And also, like I don't really think they're interested in adding an interior guy this high. Like, or at all. I mean, the interior group unless, is really stacked. Unless, unless it's maybe Jalen Carter. But yeah, yeah fairly, that would be. Yeah. yeah, They're fairly deep at defensive tackle right now. Yeah. A couple of tight ends, right? Dalton Kincaid, who I don't think will be here. Also, Darnell Washington, who I think has a decent chance of being here. Uh, Jameer Gibbs at running back. That one I know is interesting to a lot of people. Uh, we mentioned Deontay Banks. I'm going to go ahead and cross that off just because I don't think he's going to make it. Um, Keely Ringo, though, I think there is like a 25% chance that he falls. Emmanuel Forbes, a.k.a. The Needle, uh, is there as well. Um, we got Luke Musgrave at tight end as well. Uh, Clark Phillips and DJ Turner. Jordan Battle at safety. Uh, some other guys. Jack Campbell at linebacker. Uh, probably not going to be interested in the edge guys, but there, are, of course, are a few edge guys here that are always interesting, like Tuli Tupulatu and Felix Enrique Zoma. Um, in terms of, like, the wide receiver group, uh, Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman, uh, probably a little early for those guys. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of offensive linemen, yeah. Joe Tipman, uh, still there. Offensive tackle, uh, like Matthew Bergeron, Jalen Duncan, again, probably a slightly early for those guys. But um, those are the types of names we're looking at at this point. Any, any, any trade packages? Let me check. We do have a couple of offers, and this is something I did want to mention because in the first two drafts of this regime, the Falcons have not made their original second-round pick in either one. In 2021, I believe they traded down about five or six spots, and in 2022, they traded up to get Arnold Ebicady. So I think it's pretty likely that we see them consider moving around from this pick. Um, So we do have an offer from the Cowboys that's pretty weak. Uh, We would move down to 59. They would give us like a sixth, a seventh, and then next year's fifth, which is not even close to enough compensation. So that's that's going to be a no for me, dog. Um, don't waste my time with this nonsense. Um, and then, yeah, this Ravens offer is junk too. Uh, if we want to try to make our own trade, I, I'll allow it. But um, we may we may just want to make this a purist mock, and then in a couple of weeks when we do another one of these before the draft, we may want to consider all options. But uh, that's fine. I I me personally. With this particular pick, since there's there's no trade down options, I really I'm really eyeing addressing interior offensive line here. Um, and I know a guy like Osiris Torres Torrance comes to mind. They really love him as a prospect coming in, six five, around three thirty. Um I He is gone. I, um he is, he is gone. Okay. I think Tipman, Joe Tipman is the Joe Tipman, Luke Whiffler, and Steve Avila are the it's, top interior guys. Is Schmidt? Oh, Schmitz is gone as well. Yeah, Schmitz is gone as well. Okay. So it'd be Tipman. Right. Um, I think Tipman is worth this pick, but think yeah, so? I, think it's I, I think he's worth a two. But it's, I mean, it's a little. I think typically you'd like to trade down to get Tipman, but I mean, it, you, you might not be able to. It just depends. But uh... all right. Um, Torrance was my guy here, but if not, 
you know, if he's out of the equation, I still think it's a little early for Tipman. Me personally, I think it's a little early for Avila as well. Um, hmm. I mean, corner is strong, right? Uh, Ringo. I was going to say we were just talking about DJ like, Turner, the, yeah. what they could do at corner. What what's that situation look like? Corners are available. Yeah, so we've got Keely Ringo, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, Banks is still here, but I don't think he's going to be. Um, and then we've also got Clark Phillips and DJ Turner. Those are the top five guys. And of those, as much as I like Forbes, I I think he's too small. Uh, I for how this team. Not really like, like height-wise, but like weight-wise. <laughs> um, for how I, much this team is emphasize, emphasizing like the run stopping, I just don't see them really being high on Forbes in particular. Um, I really I really like Phillips, however. Um, if they want like that slot guy, they did just give, you know, uh, Hughes that money, right, to be the slot for two years. But it's not like massive money. Um, yeah, it's not like they, they are unable to to do anything else with him because they gave him that like I, I again I don't think they're giving anybody anything and if we're sitting here saying that they shouldn't be afraid to draft Christian Gonzalez just because they traded for yeah exactly Okuda, like I think the same principle applies here what about what about Keely Ringo here and the re I'm usually not the biggest Ringo guy yeah but... it's like go into your go into your Keely thoughts man I'm I can but have this, like, let's have this discussion because of the Okuda trade and the Mike Hughes signing Ringo wouldn't have to play this year in theory. I mean, obviously the injuries could happen, but like you could draft Ringo, let him be a second the... round draft and stash. Yeah. Oh man. For Keely Ringo. We, nah. We hated that two years ago with Richie. Did we not? We did. About but him. like Ringo, Ringo is like Christian Gonzalez, but not as good of an athlete and the tape isn't as good. But <laughs> I mean, in terms of his like prototypical size and athleticism, I mean, it's, it's there. Um, I mean, we. Have I, I don't know, man. I just think he's going to get cooked at the next level. Well, like uh, he's not going to be hang, hanging on these breaking routes. Any ins outbreak the way they're running some of these like whip routes, like Cooper yeah. Cup up against any type of Achille Ringo athlete. Yeah, he he's huge. Like he's got the press coverage. He makes some big plays. Like I think he's got instincts. I just don't think playing and play out like he can live at this level unless he's in a very specific like Seattle Seahawks defense but everybody knows how to beat that defense nowadays like that defense has been yeah. found out and yeah. I, I don't know if he's that good of an athlete to make up for it because i've seen him against some of these better players and guys trust me i'm a georgia fan yeah. love me some keely ringo yeah I, at the next level i just don't see it so i don't think he's the richie grants no i where i, I think agree. there was that learning curve coming from where he came from keely ringo we saw against all of these dudes like he made some plays. Yeah. I mean, that's an argument for him is that he's been battle tested. He's the most battle tested, but we've also seen him kind of <laughs> lose some of these battles and lose some focus at times. And yeah, at the next level, you got to be locked in. So that I know is, a lot of people who like Keely yeah. Ringo, but that's just my, yeah. I mean, I, I'm generally not a Ringo guy um, because of all the things you mentioned, but I, I do think the chances of it happening are a little bit higher since they don't need him to play right away. Um, I, of this group of corners, I mean, DJ Turner is probably my favorite because I think he gives them a matchup option for the speed receivers. He ran a 4-2-6, mm -hmm. fastest of any player at the combine. His tape is really good. He just measured out as not the biggest. But you've got Akuda, you've got AJ Terrell. You don't need Turner to come on the field to play Mike Evans. 
you can have him come on the field to cover Tyreek Hill, you know? Um, and I think he's got slot flexibility too. So that one's interesting. I do wonder also, like, because I, I think there's nobody here that screams like you have to add this guy. And I think, you know, Jameer Gibbs comes into the equation as, as a potential, like just yeah. best player available, but also Darnell Washington, who I think. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Let's I, talk about I think about he it. deserves a shout out. Go ahead. Well, tell me about, I mean, I, I think this is a, like Arthur Smith could never have too many tight ends. Okay. Let's make that clear. Uh, but I mean, there's no better tight end like fit for this team than Darnell Washington. He's a Washington. stretch five. He's yeah. a stretch five at the next level. Like he can do every. You want to play bully ball? He's going to bully ball as well as an offensive lineman. You want to, you know, have him go down the seam as a mismatch? All right, like find me somebody who can line up against this dude. You want him in the red zone? You want Kyle Pitts on one side, Darnell Washington on the other side, Drake London split out wide. Like the options are like tantalizing i worry that it's too much in the same basket like too many of your chips are in that basket but mismatches galore creativity galore your formations you might as well throw out what personnel packages even mean to defensive coordinators because like in atlanta they don't mean anything you have guys that can just do all of it from anywhere at that point you've got drake london you've got kyle pitts you've got darnell washington now john smith is in the mix like Cordero Patterson could be, you could have five wide without a single wide receiver. Well, I guess Drake Leonard would be a wide receiver in that instance, but like you get my point. It, it would just be something we've never seen uh, on a football field. And Oh, by the way, Darnell Washington would be like the second best run blocker on this offense behind <laughs> Caleb McGarry. So like, there's that. I, I can't stop thinking about if we're just talking best player available when we talk about like Bijan Robinson being the pick at eight, like Darnell Washington is such a unicorn in this draft and a unicorn in most years. And what have we seen the Falcons take Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London again, less of a unicorn, but still kind of a weird, wholly different body type from what we usually see. But Kyle Pitts definitely is. So is Darnell Washington. So I don't know if they'll do it. I don't know if I'm even brave enough to do it here. It's purely because I'm of brave enough. on the tight end. I'm brave enough. But it's, Let's do it. It's fascinating like, to me. And it is. I, yeah. You know, I wanted to get that out. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and I definitely want to give Eric a chance to get his thoughts, too. But uh, it, <laughs> the Darnell Washington, like the Falcons, honestly, outside of Jonu Smith, haven't really done anything at the position. They don't have a lot of tight ends on the roster right now for, for what they typically carry into training camp. So there's going to be tight ends added between now and training camp. Um, it doesn't have to be in the second round. I mean, like, let's be clear about that, but they have the flexibility. They carried five tight ends for most of last season. And right now I'll pull up the depth chart, but it, Darnell Washington is like, just like Bijan Robinson, isn't just a running back. Like Darnell Washington's not just a tight end. You can kind of almost think of him as like an extra offensive lineman. That's how good of a blocker he is. He's not, he is the best run blocking tight end that you will ever see. Uh, probably. I mean, he's definitely the best one I've ever scouted. Um, and right now, like you got Kyle Pitts, you got Johnu Smith and you got Parker Hesse, but outside of those three, you know, you've got Felipe Franks and John Fitzpatrick and both of those guys are okay. But like Darnell Washington is taking the roster spot of those guys without question. And he also fits the offense, I think better than those guys without question. He's going to, you know, maybe he's going to bump a fellow dog off the roster. That would be, that would be pretty uh, brutal there. And, and John Fitzpatrick, but, uh, Darnell Washington is a very intriguing one. I mean, I, again, I don't know how likely it is, but 
it's it's one of those Fontenot Smith picks where it's like they're just cra- they're crazy enough to do it for sure. Like you might think yeah. that they have enough tight ends, but they could never have enough. But you know, I also like the DJ Turner thing. But Eric, please give us your thoughts as well. Eric, do we lose Eric? So. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's just gathering himself. My bad. My bad. Yeah. How many tight ends do we need on this roster? They carry All five. Oh, they have, no. I would say they have three roster locks right now with Pitts, Parker Hesse, and Jonu Smith. They're going to carry at least four. Yeah, actually, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if I can bump Parker Hesse off for Darnell Washington. <laughs> I don't, I don't Smith. think that, I don't think Parker Hesse is getting bumped, but. Nah, dude, they love Parker Hesse. Yeah. And forget, but, you know, he's, he does a lot. Anyway, go Eric. <laughs> yes, please, Eric. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he's still. There's just so many takes just percolating in I just, there. I just, so. I don't look. I, I it's get fair. It. It's fair. I get it. He's, he's a tantalizing prospect. Okay. Not, this is not aimed at you, Will. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think wonder, I, get I wonder how many Georgia fans are making this, this call for Darnell Washington. Because how many are making this call because of his talents and how many are really making this call because he had a G on the side of his own? I mean, I hope it's about the talent for me, but yeah. if, he went, if he went to Georgia Tech, I'm pretty sure a lot of fans would be like, why do we need another tight end? So I'm, I'm I just mean, curious. so is, is your point a little bit Miles Murphy ish where it's like, all right, all this talent, but like, where was it at the, at the college level? Cause I, I could understand that argument a little bit but you also have brock bowers in the building and you know like i think that the upside is so clear as he does both things at a high level that you need to do in the nfl he Mm -hmm. blocks which is the number one learning curve for tight ends even elite high level tight ends that come into the nfl it's kind of why kyle pitts this past year yeah I, i know he was dinged up throughout the year but like I really think they wanted to focus on improving his blocking so that he can be on the field in all of these variety of packages that they want to utilize. So I think this was a little bit of a, Hey, like we're going to learn to be a NFL blocker Kyle, this year. And then we're going to unleash you moving forward with Darnell Washington. I just don't think you have to do that. And then he also has that athleticism to play basketball at the second level and in the red zone. And so yeah, like the production wasn't there the way you would like it in college, but I think there's some other reasons to that. But now, go I'm, ahead. I'm curious how teams are gauging Georgia prospects because of their schemes in particular, because you're going to get a number of guys that are just blue chip, blue chip talents. But if you're a team that's looking at production, a lot of these guys are not going to have great production because of the fact that they're it's a deep team on both sides of the ball. You know, you look at a guy like Nolan Smith, they're, you know, the talk around the league is that, you know, the Falcons may be falling in love with Nolan Smith at eight, but in a quite honest, he doesn't have eighth overall pick type production. Yeah. And a lot that a lot of that is based on the fact that he played on a defense where literally everybody's an NFL prospect. So they, it's the whole Alabama thing too. They yeah, ask five star recruits to do right. the dirty work where other schools that aren't recruiting five stars across the board, their pitches to the five stars are, hey, we're going to let you shine. Like, we're going to put you in the light to go after that quarterback. Here, it's like, if you want to see the field, Nolan Smith, 
yeah, you're going to have to absolutely crush that guard so that we can let Jalen Carter twist around you to let him go after the quarterback or, you know, maybe Jalen Carter. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Carter can do anything. So he can do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board for DJ Turner here. Um, Should we talk about Jameer Gibbs at all? Like I, I, we I don't know how probably got to make a pick at some point. Yeah, we, <laughs> that would. Yeah, I think I think the NFL is calling. Sure the yeah, <laughs> pretty sure the fan. You know, pretty sure the viewers like just make a damn. This is going to be longer than the actual draft show at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm, for, I'm, for I'm, I'm on board with DJ Turner. Kevin, you're the. Yeah. The I, what do you think, Will? Are you are you all in what's, on? All right, on what's the Darnell? what's the third round depth looking like at, at running back and at, at corner? Well, right now I, the I only like both running players. Yeah, the only running back off the board right now is Bijan. So, Jameer, Charbonnet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you can get a day three guy, I'm, obviously, at running back I'm too. Comfortable, but. I'm, comfortable, I'm comfortable with swinging for McIntosh in round three. All right, let's go DJ still. Turner. DJ Turner. Get that speed guy uh, to match up with those crafty, speedy wide receivers on the outside. Get the fuckings really deep secondary, like ridiculously deep. Who do y'all think is the fastest player in the secondary right now for Atlanta? Just while the draft is simulating. (laughs) (laughs) The guys right now? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, It might, honestly, it might actually be AJ. I thought that's actually what I was thinking. I was like, it might be AJ. Yeah. I think he's 442. So, could be him. Yeah. So yeah, no I mean that that's why the speed element, because there are definitely receivers coming into the league by the bunches that are faster than you know, or at least as fast as a, a four four. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I like like I said before, unless there's a surefire like, oh my god, we can't pass on him prospect available here in the third. I really and I know a lot of people here heard me say heard me talk about Bijan, but I really like Kenny McIntosh as a fallback option. I like what he brings to the table in terms mm-hmm. of size, speed. Um, his biggest red flag coming into the offseason was his pass blocking, which is something that he checked off at the Senior Bowl, and he did quite well. If he was able to do that, I I think he's the perfect complimentary back. Um, and I think he's just scratching the surface as what he can provide as a RB2 at the next level. Yes, McIntosh so is gone, you... so we can cross that off. <laughs> I just made all that up for me. Yeah, I just said all that for now. All that, all that for McIntosh went in the third round or in the second round. Uh, I think it might have even been the second. No, it was the third. He has a. It was. He has third. a top seventy-five grade for some. Yeah, McIntosh. Okay. I, I Charbonnet. I can went. just see. Yeah. Again, that's where I. You know, the, the Georgia stuff is just hard to figure out. And I agree. Like, I really, I thought there were a lot of times this past year where Kenny McIntosh was, like, the only guy on Georgia's offense that was having production against yeah, some defenses. He was, he was good. So, I mean, he and Lad McConkey, you can't ever discount Lad. He's he's good against anybody. They should draft him at eight overall, honestly. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'm really curious to see what actually the NFL decides on, on Kenny McIntosh. Yeah, didn't have the best combine, but I mean his tape's really good, so I think people will just chalk it up. Yeah. He's been receiving round three grades. Yeah. And guys like him can can succeed in the NFL. Like guys, yeah. guys who with his type of skill set who can do it all yeah. and, and kind of make guys miss in that open field and also break those tackles, like for sure. Yeah. yeah. This isn't like an Elijah Holyfield bad workout level like 
thing you know um, so where it's like oh he's he's off the board which, yeah <laughs> i was there in person for that at his pro day that was uncomfortable dude like yeah uncomfortable yeah. and it, it clearly was not just a bad run either so <laughs> yeah. it's rough yeah that's rough but uh, let me read off top guys here we got uh, jordan battle at safety cedric tillman still there at wide receiver uh siaki Ika, couple of corners but I don't think there's literally any more room for a corner on this roster, so we probably wouldn't go there. Uh, Sam Laporta, if we're going to keep that that tight end train running. Uh, Sidney Brown at safety. Some linebackers. Uh, Henry 2020, Overshone, Sewell. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson. Then we're getting a little bit further down the board. But, yeah, I mean, for me, Cedric Tillman definitely would be the pick here pretty much without question if he's still there. Interior offensive lineman here. It's bad because uh, they all went. Um, so Tipman went at fifty nine or fifty eight. Whipler went at fifty nine, and then Avila went uh, the first pick of the third round. So all right. um, your might have been right there, Eric, about just kind of like where where we're needing to take these players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I would have considered Tipman at forty four. Typically, I prefer to like trade down to get him. Like we could have probably traded down yeah. like a few spots, yeah, I but I wasn't. Uh, yeah. So now it's like Bynivalu and Ekior. Yeah, what are the receivers? I like Tillman. Who else is, is there? Tillman, Rasheed Rice, one, there's Hutchinson. There's one name I'm looking for. Yeah, you Tyler Scott, for, uh, I think. Jaden um, Reed? Jaden Reed is still there. No. Yep. Oh, the, the guy that's been getting some buzz lately is, is Jonathan Mingo. Oh, though? yeah, Mingo's there, I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they have him pretty low on the board, but if the Falcons actually want Jonathan Mingo, they'd have to take him here. I don't think he's going to make it. To I, the I think I think teams around the league are starting to fall in love with Jonathan Mingo, and I would not be surprised. He he has a fourth round grade from some, but I would not be surprised if he's taken around earlier, simply because the timing of his buzz. His buzz is yeah. happening literally two before the draft. It is not. So like what is that? What is that buzz, Eric? That like, he, what, tell well, me about him as a player. He resembles a lot of AJ Brown from size, speed. Um, he has a lot of surprisingly, he has really good yak ability for a guy that's six one, two twenty-five, mm-hmm. can make the, the tough contested catches, ran a surprising four four and a forty. He doesn't play at that type of speed on tape. However, you do see in the open field when he has those type of situations where he needs to break away from the defender or he breaks tackles, he does tough to cover man he's he's a tough matchup and i do see some aj brown traits in him so it, it sounds exactly like and i'm totally blanking on his name who was the arkansas receiver last year oh uh yeah i know you're talking um, you, about the one who the, the uh, titans took the tennessee yeah, yeah. Traylon burks Traylon burks yeah. thank you uh yeah it sounds Traylon burks ish right or is yeah. his is his like speed more linear i think he's a better athlete than Traylon burks really honestly. yeah yes. um i don't think yes. he's quite as big as burks was he's as heavy, but but is is I like Cedric Tillman and I think Cedric Tillman. Yeah, I I wouldn't take Mingo over very well. Tillman. So like, is yeah. Mingo is Mingo like that much of a difference maker, or like would again a trade down be be possible? I think the one thing that well the one thing with Tillman was injuries. Going to trade, but the one thing with Tillman was injuries. You know, you that's a that's something that you would still have the question at the next level, um, right. especially this past season. Um, you saw a ten- you saw a Tennessee offense that was still really productive without him, and coming into the season, he was viewed as the guy 
and then he got hurt, and that Tennessee offense still. But the Falcons don't I, like. I I kind of think that, and this is actually a testament to what they've done this offseason is we're looking at a lot of these draft picks not having to come into a position to play a ton of snaps right off the jump. I don't think if you draft Tillman, like he's not out there playing, you know, 56 of your 67 snaps in, in a game, like they're rotating their guys on offense and they, and they probably are going to have him in some specialized roles and bring him along a little bit slowly. But like the things that he does well are the things that the Falcons, especially under Arthur, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have shown that they value, which is like, great catch radius, strong, like competitive as hell, like likes to mix it up and get physical. So I like, I think that that's some stuff that, that Cedric Tillman would bring to this offense and then they could figure out how to mix him in and kind of get to know him as the player and and figure that out. But I don't think he would be tasked with like taking on a huge role. And then the upside is there to really develop as a pro because he does a lot of those things at a pretty high level. I think what might be the tipping point there is the fact that they actually brought Mingo in for a workout. Like he did have a top 30 visit, didn't he? So they they were able to view him up close and personal. And I think he's able to do exactly those things that you said, but it's the perspective of, oh, the team had their eyes on him recently. So it's like, okay, you're looking at a guy, they both do the same things, but we had him up close and personal. So you, the, the favoritism may go more in that direction because of that aspect. That's not saying yeah. that they don't Tillman or anything like that, but that, I mean, I honestly, I don't, I don't see either one being a bad direction to go. I think they do check the sim, the same boxes. I just like mingle a little bit more because of what he reminds me of given that our head coach is a guy that had that at his previous stop. So Kevin, you're the decider here. If you want to, I mean, if you want to, I have, I do have Tillman higher. I think Tillman, Tillman didn't test as well as, as Mingo did. Mingo tested just crazy, but Mingo also doesn't play as well as he tested for being completely honest, Um, which (laughs) makes it a little bit complicated. Yeah. Is AT Perry on the board still or is he off? He is. I I wouldn't consider him over Tillman or Mingo though. He's not that high for me. But all right, we're not going to get into that. For the record, I would. But let's let's keep going down this path. Yeah, yeah. So now we have more time. I kind of want to know why. (laughs) We will. We'll we'll make sure to cover that at some point. uh, Because because we're gonna you know spoiler alert. Will Will and I are gonna do some pods here now that we're in the Believe Fam together. so I did oh, announce yeah. that at the beginning welcome, of the show. Welcome Will. aboard, yeah. Seven. <laughs> so it's not a secret. Happy, it's uh, not a secret. Yeah. Happy to have you uh, on. Our our Falcons coverage will finally have the uh, intelligence that it deserves. So <laughs> we're gonna tag to team it. We're gonna tag team it. Okay, <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah. So like, in terms of size, Tillman has like over an inch. Like he has like an inch and a half on uh, Mingo in terms of height. Their arm length is pretty similar. Um, Mingo did test better. Uh, Tillman his agility testing got messed up cause he got hurt during it. So we don't really know if, what, if that would have been comparable or not, but, um, that's not good. I didn't know about that. It, it was hurt. like a minor thing, but he had to stop the testing. Like he, he didn't continue. Like he ran like a bad three cone, like a seven, three, which is not his agility. Um, I think he like slipped on it or something. And they, they canceled it. But, um, you know, like I think Mingo has the higher athletic ceiling. I do think that Tillman's, tape is better and his upside's a little bit higher as an actual receiver and they're both great run blockers so 
I mean, I would stick to my board and go with Tillman here. I do think the more likely choice is Mingo, because I think Tillman's actually going to go higher than this in most mocks. Uh, typically, he's a late second, but I, I think that uh, if he's here, I would probably lean him. Um, but I, I think Mingo is very... Like, if I had to put money on one player in the third round, it would be Mingo, like, honestly. But um, with Tillman still on the board, I think that's probably where I lean. Is that, is that where you lean as well? Uh, yeah. Will? Yeah, okay. We'll do that to, in an effort to keep this one under, like, 15 minutes. We'll, we'll go ahead and make that pick. <laughs> he played so well against Georgia. It was just, like, a delight to watch watch him play and th- this in this season, game, like... Yeah, like go people go watch his 2021 tape if you really want to get hyped about Tillman because that his 2022 was fine, but he was playing through injury and that 2021 tape was special. Watch his game against against Pitt this past season as well. Mm-hmm. That was he was he was a monster on that on <laughs> yeah. the field day. Um, he he goes into like these zones where he, he like almost does things that I did. I'm like I didn't even know you had that in you. You know, like yeah. you got that dog in Ringo him. when he when he stuck his foot <laughs> in the turf and like cuts right back to the left and almost dips under Keely Ringo and then takes off. I was yeah. like, I didn't, I did not see that coming, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's he's got some game. He does, and I, I think honestly, I think Mingo and Tillman both fit the Falcons like profile to a T. So I think for sure, I, I, I do think he's likely to be graded out higher. But I think Mingo is probably the more likely player to actually be on the board. So I, I think if he if if Tillman falls, you you probably go Tillman. But I think I think Jonathan Mingo has a really good chance to be a Falcon coming out of this draft. Like he's maybe the player I feel the most the most certain that actually is going to be a Falcon of anyone in this entire class. Um, so you know we'll see if I'm right about that. I think Tyree Wilson right now is like a close second. Because uh, there's less less variables involved in that one, but um, you know we'll see. But uh, all right, let's let's check in. We'll try to be a little bit faster with these day three picks because the stakes are a little bit lower. Um, yeah, back. Kevin, this is this is also I'm gonna have to hop off at nine thirty. But okay, yeah. let's get to the last this next pick. All right, so we got a lot of safeties here at the top of the board. Uh, Jordan Battle still here, which is probably a zero percent chance of that happening. Same thing with Sydney Brown. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Robinson, there's a slight chance he falls here. Um, those would be guys I would consider there. Running back is a common common pick here, right? We've still got uh, Israel Abanaconda. Uh, we got Chase Brown, Devon A-Chain. Um, I think Tank Bigsby is still here too, um, which that may or I may not happen. I love Tank Bigsby. Yeah, that, that may or may not happen, but um, so there's definitely some running backs. Uh the other position, why, I mean, we just took a wide receiver, so probably, you know, if you want to add Tank Dell to this mix, you know, I'd get really spicy, we could do that, but, um, you know, Andrew Voorhees, if you're, it, that's definitely like a wait and see pick um, on the oh. offensive line. Um, oh. There's some, like, developmental tackles, but I think this is probably a little bit early. Um, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Noah Sewell is still there at linebacker. There's still some good linebackers here. We got uh, Muhammad yeah. Diabate. Uh, picks here, right? One ten and one thirteen. Yep. Yeah, but we'll, we'll have yeah one ten and one thirteen here, so we can pick two of these guys potentially. Um, I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking running back, either running back or in, or I really like Voorhees. and I think this is good value here for him at one ten. I there's yeah probably have to red shirt, but. He was like a yeah. day two player, like a second rounder for mm-hmm. me before the injury. So, yeah, 
I like Voorhees as well. What what have we uh, what have we picked so far after Tyree Wilson? Yes, yeah, so we got Tyree Wilson. Then we got DJ Turner, the corner out of Michigan, at forty four. And then we got Cedric Tillman at seventy five, the wide receiver. Yep. Uh, so we hit three big needs. That's that's, that's a, a great class. Yeah. That's a damn good. That's draft. a crop. That's a crop. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm still. I I kind of feel as though. And maybe maybe we're able to hit on on running back still at some point, you know, maybe the next upcoming pick. Uh, it just all depends on where that run happens. I do think that they because they've gone heavy off or defense in free agency this offseason that we could be looking at, you know, in recent years, they've had these late day two, day three picks kind of be, you know, your Ogandeshi's of the world um, and, and yep. added kind of those rounds. I think yep. we could see offense uh, this year. And them adding some of these either really proven college guys with lower athletic ceilings, but they're closer to maxed out and can go from day one, or these project type of players, or a Voorhees type of player who, you know, may need a year, but like you expect the upside to be yeah pretty high for what you're getting. Yeah. That being so, what do you guys think? You running back maybe next pick and this pick? Yeah, maybe? I th- I think you go Voorhees yeah. here because I don't feel I like strongly Voorhees. about any of the yeah. other guys. So I think let's do Voorhees with this one, and then we'll see who's still. I mean, there's only two more picks, yeah. so it can't get it can't be that bad at yeah. running back. I mean, let's sure. be honest. So yeah, so we'll go Voorhees here. Uh, I'm not even not even sure if any running backs actually went in those two picks. They did not. <laughs> so, um, so yes. Now this is a this is a good spot. We still got uh, so the top guys left: Israel Abanaconda, who spoiler alert, he's going to be in my next mock draft at this pick, I believe. Uh, I do really like Devon A. Chain. I do really like Chase Brown. Tank's, Tank Bigsby is a guy that, that does have some fans as well. It's probably those four are the, are the top guys to consider here. All a little bit different. Pick Bigsby. I do think like Bigsby and Algier are a little bit redundant. I think like Algier is just like a better. That's Bigsby. what's fun about it for me yeah. though. Is like yeah, the idea I mean, of just like nah, you don't get any plays <laughs> off. Nah, like nah. just on yeah. any play of <laughs> and yeah. That- that's part of that part that that's partly goes into the Bijan thing for me. It's like, okay, you see one 220 pound running back go off the field and you see another one come on yeah, right out. Because it's what they're just doing rotate. in college nowadays. Yeah. It's but like it all right, yeah. we we just have like four four or five star guys in our backfield and none of them are getting more than twelve carries in a game and you just have to deal with the them and they're gonna have fresh legs every single series. Yeah. Like, they're all the same, yeah. 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 But I mean they're you, they're like we could do the let's get to like Chase Brown. What does he bring? That complimentary type of, of yeah, mentality. Like, right. There are other options. So let's A-chain. talk about some of, of those. Yeah. Like to me, yeah. the reason I, I took Israel in my mock uh, that's going to come out on the following Monday uh, is that he's kind of a little bit of both. Uh, he is that bigger bodied running back. I think he came into the, to the combine at like 5'11, 215. But he's a speed guy. I mean, honestly, like if you watch his tape, he's more of that outside zone, one cut and take off guy. He he is not the as physical as you'd expect for that weight, but because he's comfortable carrying it, yeah, yeah, he can run between the tackles. You you would look at his body type, you would look at his tape, and you would think he's more of a guy that wants to get on perimeter and beat defenders that way. He can run through the tackles, and he can be physical in a certain aspect. The difference with him is that. He has the foot agility and the foot speed to literally take it one crease and go 40 yards yeah. untouched. Like yeah, he has honestly, that ability. Tested out pretty similarly to Bijan. The thing with him is that his vision is just nowhere near like his vision and decisiveness and you, just nowhere near Bijan. But 
because of his college production, I don't want to. I don't want to over. Like I want him perfectly for running back too. Yeah, I don't want to feed him three carries a game, twenty five no, carries a no. game. Like that would want to kill him. So Kevin, you he, you say his his vision, um, his like that's his decision making. That's his biggest well, like, thing. If, yeah, that's the biggest it's, flaw because I yeah that's something that the Falcons have shown they value. They do so. And that's the thing with Israel. To like a large like, degree. Yeah. Like, you, you I look, think that they... They do. They do. You're not wrong. Like, with Israel, <laughs> like, the reason he's here is because the vision and the decisiveness are inconsistent. But in terms of his traits, he's, like, a top-round running back. Like, this is a guy that has... I mean, like I said, tested he, out extremely similarly to Bijan. Like, he's a little bit smaller. And this is but, the time to pull that pull that trigger, right? Like, that, yeah. that's when you would do it. And Will, if you need a comp, he's actually gotten uh, Pacheco yeah. comparisons. Yeah, yeah, I think Isaiah. that was NFL.com's. Yeah. I, think, I think that's the perfect, the perfect comparison. I, I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, and I get, I get the whole point of comps and everything like that. I sometimes I feel like you should not be allowed to make a comp to a player <laughs> who like just came out, right? Right. Like, yeah, let's can, can we see what they are actually in the league for yeah. five years and then like everybody knows what it, but but I get one of you. Yeah, a different right weight and piece. just playing style, then I, I right. think that does because Pacheco yeah. is that type of 5'11. And that's kind of what they're missing here. I forget who who was it in uh in Tennessee, but uh like basically Derrick Henry's main understudy. And anytime Henry would be dinged up, it's like, oh, this guy's gonna have you know 19 points yeah. on your fantasy lineup. Mm-hmm. This I, I just can't pull that name right now yeah. off the top of my head. Um, but name. yeah, that type of different running style, but almost because defenses focus so much on the thunder that like a Tyler Algier or a Derrick Henry can bring, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you kind of get them not looking at the off-speed pitch, even though the yeah. off-speed pitch here in this case is like a, a jitterbug running back who who can take the distance. Because that's the thing is they don't really have, and I don't know how much, you know, Cordero Patterson is breaking off 75 yard touchdown runs like any more at this point of his career. Right, now, I think he's right. got a couple left in him, but as but a returner, like, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like not, not necessarily something you rely on as like a true weapon in your arsenal. I don't, and I think Tyler Algier is more your Michael Turner later stage where you're going to see these like 48 yard runs. Um, not because, you know, he doesn't have the vision or can't break these. It's the breakaway speed, which is the opposite problem from Tevin Coleman who was Mr. Get Tripped by a Safety on every should-be touchdown uh, of his career. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I think that adding that home run speed makes a lot of sense, which is, you know, why obviously a lot of people love Gibbs uh, for the right. Falcons. Um, so if, if that's what Israel brings, then, yeah, I'm, I could be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. we should mention Devon A-Chain as well, who I, I do really like. If, if, you, if you think they value the vision more than the size, uh, a-Chain has actually quite good vision. I, think. I mean, Texas A&M's offensive line was pretty awful. Um, he was still a productive running back. He's smaller. He's He doesn't really, like, fit their type, right? He's, like, 5'8 and a half, mm-hmm. 190-ish pounds. He hit that 4-3-2. I mean, he's going to be maybe the fastest guy on the offense. And I, I think he probably – I think he's timed in the high 4-2s. Uh, he's, like, a sprinter and all that. Um, so, like – a chain, if you really want that like lightning to the thunder sort of compliment, and you and you you think they value. I mean, I don't vision, know if we have to go you know. overboard with it, but <laughs> just go even further. <laughs> go four three two speed, yeah. And Chase Brown also is kind of in the middle. 
I think his vision's like mm-hmm. better than Israel's. He's a little bit smaller than Israel, a little bit bigger than A Chain, not quite as fast as A Chain, but faster than Israel. You know, so th- there's honestly like we have a spectrum. You know, you got like Tank, who's like the grinder. Then you got Israel, mm-hmm. who's like big and fast, but the vision's a little bit lacking. Then you got Chase Brown, a little bit kind of right in the middle, good all arounder, good speed, good decent size, you know, decent vision. Then you got A Chain, who's just like crazy fast, small, and also has pretty good vision. So there's really a lot of flavors you could go with here. Uh, I think they all have their, I think they all have their merits. But um, this is also the last pick the Falcons have until the seventh round. So uh, this one, oh. this one's big. Now that we got rid of that fifth, so. Who's most ready to step in and, and kind of contribute? That's a tough one. I mean, honestly, like, I mean. I would say A-Chain. Yeah. Uh, A-Chain's vision is really underrated. Like, I think he's actually a really good running back trapped in, like, a small person's body. He did get close to 190 for the combine. <laughs> uh and that's that's pretty encouraging. I mean, I, if he can get above 190, he's not someone that's going to have to take 15 carries. I mean, um, yeah. So it, I think I I do like a chain here. I mean, I think it's it's sort of a sleeper. It doesn't really fit Smith's typical archetype, but he is what about I think, special a good, teams. Any special teams value there? I think he has return. A-chain. Yeah, I mean, special. Yeah, well, yeah, I think he's a great returner or, or has returned at times and just tackling yeah, like special teams, gunner stuff yeah i mean all right uh, let's do the pick a chain yep. all right finally get to get H- a chain in a mock i've been trying to do that for a long time so that i'm fully in support of this uh well i know uh yep, i gotta, gotta you gotta bounce. hop off so you're gonna yeah. you know cop out cop out of these uh seventh rounders i see what's going yeah, on yeah man so. <laughs> much much like i did uh when i you know wrote for the team i was like hmm they're not going to make the these picks. Round. Yeah, they've they've always <laughs> traded out of their seventh rounders. They've traded their second rounders and they've traded their seventh rounders. So yeah, man, there's there's reasons people are like, we, oh yeah, we got to be here. All, all it's a long weekend. It is a yep. long weekend. So package those um, for a six. Let's go, Falcons. <laughs> yeah, but but this this is never never feels long. Chatting with you, gentlemen, Eric. I'm so excited when I hopped on that that you were uh you were here. It's been a been a minute, but it. Honestly, felt just like uh, we've been doing this forever. So really uh, enjoyed it. This was great. Kevin, can't uh, wait to have you on on my show, Believe in Falcons, where you guys uh, you know can find it wherever you get your podcast. So check that out. Um, we'll do draft stuff soon, Kevin. We'll do a yep. home and away. Yeah. That'll be awesome. But this was great. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely. Thanks for, for making time, Will. I know you got a bu- busy schedule right now. Uh, so <laughs> I got a fussy baby. That's what I got. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> And a long night ahead. Probably, so, probably. <laughs> I love it. Gotta yep. love it. Gotta love it. Thanks, right, take thanks care, so y'all. much, Will. Appreciate you. All right, Eric. We have to endeavor to do these seventh rounders quickly, okay? <laughs> gotta be honest. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder if I'm second guessing H at this point. Yeah, I mean, we can Like the pick is in, but we we could still talk about it because the, the simulator is still running. Yeah. Because, because now now that I think about it, like I get I get his ability as a runner. I get his electric ability in the open field. But I me personally, I do think they value some sort of size when it comes to just building, you know, their 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 running back core. Um and, you know, Bannon Canada does come in a, yeah. roughly 20, 20 pounds 
heavier, 25 pounds heavier than A-Chain. So he will likely be more, you know, more prone to take that type of punishment. Um, I, did, I, I will say, and I'm pretty sure you agree, A-Chain is definitely the better playmaker. At this point. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. For sure. So I wonder if it's going to be a situation where are they going to value the little, like, you know, lightning, the, the guy that's, that can house it at, at any moment or a guy that can be, a you know, a methodical runner. Like he's, he, you know, he has, he has track ability as well. Ben in Canada does. He, he's a yeah. former track. At yeah, he's it. a former sprinter too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I just wonder if they will value, if they will look at it, if that would be the end all be all like, Hey, these guys do a number of things similarly, but it's just the fact that he's 25 pounds heavier and we want to kind of sort of lean on that because I think a band cannon has a frame where you can give him another 10 pounds and he will still be an an effective runner. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong there. Like, honestly, I I think they're probably more likely to take a Bonaconda there, but I do have him in a mock that's publishing Monday. So I was sort of trying to get off that pick if I'm being completely honest. So. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, I mean, I'm not that I'm, I'm looking at a chain and I'm, you know, again, a chain is just like, man, a house call waiting to happen, dude, you take one bad angle and it's 60 yards. And a matter of fact, I, I was doing his, doing his highlight for, for the upcoming draft. And it was, it was amazing how, in the open field, how defenders are just like, oh my god, like they just have such a hard time trying to get their hands on him. Yeah. In the open field. Oh, it's it's pretty. And he crazy. did it in the yeah. SEC. And he did it in SEC for three years. I guess that yeah. accounts for something. Right? Yeah. Um. All right. So these seventh rounders are always wild. We're not going to take any like crazy guys that have fallen just because it's way too hard to predict. But, um, I do think you could potentially see like. You know, maybe uh, a nose tackle if one's there. There typically isn't one that I like still on the board. Um, and it's not a huge... Linebacker. Yeah, linebacker. We got uh, the top linebackers, uh, Darrell and Chami, uh, Aubrey Miller, Ventrell Miller, Jasir Abdullah, Mike Jones Jr. I mean, it's not great. <laughs> one safety. guy that I... Safety, we've got... Uh, there's some decent ones. Uh, Kendall Smith. Jair Brown, uh, Chamari Connor, Trey Dean, the third, you know, um, let's see tight end. We got Josh Wiley from Cincinnati. He's still there. Got a little little Cincinnati reunion. Hey, I I don't, I, I not opposed to that. I've mentioned that in my space the other day, that if there's a tight end, a late round tight end that I think they may look at, Josh Wiley would definitely be one to come to mind because, of course, the familiarity he has with um, Desmond Ritter. Uh, he's an intriguing prospect as well. He's a guy that's six six, about what yeah. two fifty. So yep. he's a, he's a pretty pretty big tight end. Um, definitely needs to improve as a blocker going forward. But they align him, you know, flexed him out a, a lot at Cincinnati as well. And again, the the familiarity is there that yeah. he has the connection. Yes. So I, I'm I'm thinking Wiley here. Yeah. What do, you, what do you feel? No, I think Wiley for one of them is a good pick usually. Uh, that's when I've done before. I think it makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, we have the back-to-back pick here as well. Um, 
Great. What do you think? Just just as I, I did this in my mock for Monday too, and this one's kind of fun. But uh, like Hunter Lupke from North Dakota State, you know, get that fullback in here because it seems like they're they're itching for a fullback competition. They got Clint Rakovich in here. They brought John Rain back. Obviously, Keith Smith is still here, but you know, Hunter Lupke is an interesting fullback. If they want to make sure they get him in camp, you know, give drafting him here is probably the only way to do that. Obviously. Um, Let's see. It de- it depends it depends because how much does having Parker Hesse around cut into that as well with him right, serving in exactly. that exactly yeah it's not so necessary I, it's kind of fun but yeah you know Aubrey Miller is a good linebacker prospect here too I know fans like Yasir Abdullah he's definitely more of a project guy um, that you have to sort of convert to off ball yeah. but um, yeah yeah there's nobody I really I, like, I like- tackle. I like I like Wiley. I like Wiley for one of these picks. Yeah, I got um, Wiley. Got that one on lock. Um Oh we did? Okay. And I and yeah. I think um man. Um Trey Dean is intriguing. Yep. yep. Um size definitely comes to mind. A guy that's six three, two fifteen as a safety, has played both safety spots at Florida. At the yep. at the you know, very least he can give you some special teams value. Um I like his versatility. I really like his versatility. And of course, that's the name of the game when it comes to the Falcons. We love that. That's the that's the word, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the word that's plastered. It should be plastered all over the locker room, versatility. No, um, I, I like it. They they do, I think, need depth at safety. Um yeah. so I, I yeah. would I would think that that's a good one. I mean, you don't have yeah. to convince me uh, at pick two twenty five. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I will. I will accept any argument basically at this point. Um, I, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how much talking or deliberation goes into these late seventh round picks. Like, are they just like as Fontenot just like on his phone? Like, oh yeah, yeah, we're good. Let me take that. All guy. right. Like, well, you know, uh, who did you say? You, you, well, we didn't go with you know scout number two. We didn't go with who you wanted in, uh, uh, at pick at the fourth overall pick or whatever. So who, who do you want here? Like, we'll throw you a bone. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just throw a dart at the board and hope for the best. Uh, there's probably a little bit more that goes into it, but honestly, you know, maybe not that. A little much. bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think much. I think. I don't think. I don't think Blank is around. I think he's gone. No, yeah, no, they're chilling. They're big chilling. Yeah. Um, Smith might be gone too, to be honest with you. It may just be Terry and a couple front office guys, maybe a couple scouts in there. The whole staff is not in that room in the yeah. seventh. No, round. no, it's, it's the hardcore can, guys. I'm, just like just like you guys, the 218 of you that are still here watching the seventh yeah. round picks. Big shout out to you guys. Uh, yeah. All right, let me let me read off the picks for the people one last time. In our first mock, we're going to have one more of these uh, for the patrons the week of the draft. And then, of course, the day before the draft, going to have another one of these uh, as well. As you guys can see, a lot of fun, a lot of good discussion, of course, as we talk about the guys actually on the board uh, when we're on the clock. Um, so pick eight, Falcons with Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech after strong consideration of Christian Gonzalez as well. Uh, and of course, Bijan, but we, we did go with Tyree Wilson there at pick 44 went with cornerback DJ Turner, the speedster from Michigan to bolster, make that room just really deep and talented, uh, pick 75 went with wide receiver Cedric Tillman did also consider Jonathan Mingo really strongly there pick 110, uh, interior offensive lineman, Andrew Voorhees going to have to probably redshirt this year or, or much of the year, but 
gives you a day two guy that you can plug and play potentially in 2024 and could be really good value if he does end up turning into that starter, even if you have to wait a year. So um, at uh, pick 113, went with Devon A-Chain at running back. We talked about a lot of guys there. Israel Abanaconda and Chase Brown were in consideration. We just had to go with A-Chain here, but again, strong consideration there. Uh, ignore the pick in the fifth round because the, the Simulator hasn't updated yet that the Falcons have traded that, so that one's not a pick that we actually made. Um, then two seventh rounders, tight end Josh Wiley from Cincinnati at 224. And then safety Trey Dean the third from Florida at 225 to add some depth to a couple of key positions there. Uh, I think it's a good draft. Uh, also got George Costanza. Wanted to get his donation here before we start closing out with three dollars. Thank you so much, George. Yeah, we should have asked George Costanza what to do. That that would have clued us in. No, 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 no. We didn't add any Georgia players. Oh no, you're right. No dogs. People are gonna freak out. Yeah, no dogs at all. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're gonna get. Yeah. We're gonna get <laughs> we, George says, uh, "I'm sold on Carl Brooks in round four. He's my super sleeper. He is an interesting, sort of unique player for sure." Says at 75, he's also been grabbing Garrett Williams consistently, the cornerback out of Syracuse. Big ups to the Orange there. But now it feels like we're full up on DBs. Yeah, kind of are. Uh, injuries did end is, up hurting us George, in the secondary. Is George, so. is George on board with Bijan? Yeah, George is all in on Bijan now. So that's how you know it's happening. Yeah. All right. Yep, it's happening. <laughs> so mark it down, folks. Mark it down. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a good class. I think it's, it's an interesting one. It's definitely different than what we've done before. Has some similar players that I've liked throughout the process, but um, I think they all make sense for the Falcons, and it's all good. So, uh, yeah, we're, we we finished before two hours, which was the goal. So thank you to all the hardcore folks sticking with us throughout this uh, very long episode of Falcoholic Live. This is a little little pregame show for the uh, the actual draft party, which, of course, is like five hours long. Um, so got to get our preparation in, which is what we did. Uh, shout out to Will McFadden, now Will McFadden, host to believe in Falcons also contributor at the Falcoholic for coming on and taking us through this. Uh, and of course my guest as well, Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson at ESPN. Uh, Eric, anything you'd like to plug before we sign off? I man, just want to plug, you know, the Falcoholic good folks over at Falcoholic. Um, congratulations to Kevin, uh, for having, uh, this wonderful show here being picked up on a believe channel is well-deserved for you um and i and i hope this is just the beginning of a very long era over at believe for you uh congratulations kevin you definitely deserve this man thank you eric appreciate that and uh, i'm excited as well we've got some cool stuff in the work yeah jason gates incoming built bar ads yeah you know whatever you got hit you know hit up hit them up you know we'll, we'll, we'll do it you know send me some built bars built bar let's go i gotta i gotta get those macros going so um yeah guys thank you so much for tuning in tonight uh we'll have more stuff coming for you on friday and like i said mock draft coming on monday as well and then of course we'll be back next week for more live takes on wednesday so make sure to stick to the falcoholic live and the dirty birds and brews podcast for all your falcons content needs uh i'm kevin knight at falcoholic kevin please like subscribe if you enjoyed this episode on youtube and also go to the podcast platform of your choice and leave that five-star review uh Appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight. We will see you next time. Have a great night, folks.